Hello and welcome back to Series 4 of the Public Eye Podcast, a six-part series of podcasts brought to you by Granite Exchange. I'm your host, Sarah Travers, and throughout the series, I'll be speaking with local entrepreneurs and business owners, and indeed lawyers, to learn more about how their companies have come to be, to gain insight into their growth, and find out how they continue to innovate and develop their business. So wherever you get your podcasts from, remember to keep an eye out for all new episodes and subscribe to stay up to date. Well, I mentioned lawyers because today I'm joined by Sarah Henry, Solicitor and Director of Granite Immigration Law. Sarah, you didn't have too far to travel to the studio today, but welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Sarah. Just up the stairs. (laughs) And we're going to be talking to you a little more also about your podcast too, Mm. so that you're very familiar with the studio. (laughs) I am. Uh, And anybody who's tuned in to your podcast will know all about you. But before we begin, I'm going to give a little bit of background to everybody on Granite Immigration Law. Granite Immigration Law is part of Granite Legal Services, which is a newly established business law practice in Newry City. They're also the fantastic sponsors of this series of The Public Eye. So they have a dedicated immigration team working on solely immigration matters, ranging from citizenship applications for people interested in becoming Irish or British citizens to visas and post-Brexit advice for businesses and individuals. They've been operational in Newry for just over two years and provide advice to clients both north and south of the border. Now, Sarah herself is from Newry and has worked in the areas of immigration, public interest law and human rights for over 10 years, working with the Irish Refugee Council, the National Women's Council and human rights practices in Dublin and Belfast. Sarah provides equality and diversity training for businesses and is an active board member of Women's Aid Armagh Down. Together with the team based in the Granite Exchange in Newry, she has helped start a new project, I just mentioned it, called Activist Lawyer, which we will talk about more during this interview. So Sarah, lots to cover here. We have around 25 minutes, but let's start a little bit from the beginning. Tell us a bit about yourself and who you are. Oh, thanks, Sarah. It's so strange to be on this side. On the other side. side. <laughs> I didn't think I would be as nervous, but anyway, we're here. So thanks. Yeah, I'm from Newry, as mentioned. Um, moved back to Newry a few years ago, family reasons. Um, I had been um, a student at the local um, Sacred Heart uh, grammar school here before going west to NUIG Galway where I really focused on learning languages took a little turn along the way and ended up um, practicing as a solicitor later on and um, moved to Dublin where I find my kind of place in, in this particular area of law and immigration um, met my husband there. He at a at a house party, as you do when you're, <laughs> you're young, free, and single. He is actually local. When I say local, Warren Point, not Newry. Very important difference. Okay, difference I see. There. Right. And moved home after we got married pr- pretty quickly. Moved home um, after the first baby was born, and you know you need the grannies and the granddads there Where for the would help. Would you be without them? I don't know, literally would be lost. So came back home with them and I've been here ever since. I was about 2013. And it's all going well. There's a nice little bump cooking away there's there. There's a big, yeah, a nice, a nice bump here. So we've got the oldest is seven, Elise, and then I've Eden, who's two. Oh, I spoke goodness. to you about him earlier. He's yeah. a little bit of a handful. <laughs> and then this third baby is due 
Soon. Pretty soon. <laughs> well, hopefully you're not, uh, I don't put you under too much pressure today. I want you to sit back and relax. And as you Thank say, you. you're normally sitting where I am. Yeah. And you are delivering the, the, the podcast Activist Lawyer, which mm-hmm. has a great following and is a super listen. If, if you haven't tuned in, please do. Um, so it's nice to find out a little bit about you because when you're the one asking the questions, it's great, isn't yeah, it? But when absolutely. you're the one answering the questions, you think, oh, yeah. I know I'm exactly the same. Um, So, yeah, circuitous route to get to where you are now then. Mm -hmm. But how did the opportunity come around for you to join the company here? So I suppose um, I went, I had a little break from immigration law after uh, baby number one was born and ended up working with Newry Business Improvement District um, for about a year and a half. Went back down to Dublin again, couldn't keep away from it, and worked with the National Women's Council of Ireland on a project that was for two and a half years, working between Dublin and Brussels on um, third level institutes, staff and students around sexual harassment and bullying. So after that finished, I was on maternity leave and about five months in, get itchy feet. I was thinking, what will I do? (laughs) What's next? And I always stayed in contact with my colleagues and friends who practiced immigration law always kept up to date with what was going on and of course Brexit was approaching at that time and I knew Jonathan from before he had been a mentor for me and really helped me navigate my way with the businesses in Uri. Jonathan McKeown, McKeown obviously, yeah. anybody's wondering. Uh, so I knew that he was interested in setting up this kind of niche practice, something a little bit different that was very specialised in Uri. And I think he had a personal immigration question for someone he knew and we got speaking again and I thought, well, look, you know, perhaps with Brexit and everything happening, all of these changes taking place, it might be a good idea to start. And the opportunity arose and here I am two uh, years later. And you're very busy. <laughs> We're busy. Yeah, you're very busy. Okay. Can I go back a little bit before sure. we get to that? I, you say you wanted to study languages and mm. then you sort of fell into becoming a solicitor and then it was this being the immigration solicitor. Mm-hmm. Is it a vocation, do you think? For me, it is. And I guess everyone has a different way of looking at it. But over the past few months, especially with the Activist Lawyer podcast and speaking to similar and like-minded practitioners, we all have that kind of in us almost and it's about working in a particular area within which you're passionate about. I was very passionate about languages and I did Italian in the Sacred Heart School, went to Galway, loved my classes, all of the cool stuff around film and music and food and all. went to Bologna, studied there for a year Mm. and then I found myself in an immigration law class. It was module, um, it was optional. There was European human rights and international human rights and something just struck me after a few minutes into the class when they were speaking about asylum seekers, refugees, the plight of separated children in Ireland. And I knew instantly that's what I want to do. And I focused on law then to pursue that. And is it that sense of injustice or you want to help or you want to challenge stereotypes or you want to fight for the underdog or what is it? I think, um, so I did legal studies with Italian and all of the other subjects for me were just that little bit drier and they were procedural whereas this was the first time they were talking about actual people and people who lived here that were quite marginalized they kind of live within the shadows we don't know too much about them I for one didn't have any experience at the time in even knowing about what who claims asylum in Ireland it was the early kind of 2000s so everything was kicking off then the law was changing so it was a great time to kind of get stuck into it But I think for me, it was understanding how people come from a place where they've been absolutely persecuted and then they arrive in another country and life still isn't very easy for them. Mm -hmm. 
So it was about understanding that struggle, especially for young people and knowing that they could be living down the road from me, but I don't know who they are and I don't know how to help. And so I think that opened the door a little bit wider to me. And I realized at that moment, this is where I want to go. So I had a great lecture and kind of stuck in with her and <laughs> um, ended up really pursuing that route. And I think, too, when we come from the island of Ireland mm. and, you know, for for so long, for for centuries, we've been fleeing persecution mm. or famine or, uh, you know, whatever it is to, to try and have a better life. Were you aware of that too? Absolutely. I mean, I just think it's the plight of the, the migrant and their mm. journey. And I suppose we've people here for various reasons. People come for economic reasons to the island of Ireland. People come to study. Um, but it's really that what drives somebody to leave their country. And of course, you've mentioned Irish people. You know, there's a diaspora around the world there. People left for different reasons. Um, famine, war, whatever it might be, unemployment. Again, it's the same thing, people coming here and how they're received, really. It was that kind of point of entry for me that was interesting, what happens next for them. This podcast is sponsored by Granite Legal Services, a niche business and immigration law practice located in the heart of Newry City. Granite Legal Services provides legal advice to both individuals and companies alike across a wide range of industries, from employment, commercial or corporate law matters to immigration law. Granite Legal Services focuses on providing legally sound, practical advice to its clients. To get in touch, visit www.granitelegalservices.co.uk or contact 028 3026 2200. And would you say, though, there's often a, a, a misconception or a, a misunderstanding about, you know, migrant workers or people, you know, we, I think, is there a stereotype that they're always struggling or they're always going to be, you know, in need of, of, of so much more? Or, or are there all types of people who are, who are coming here now? Yeah, I guess there's so many different types of people, but... The media definitely does spin, you know, their own kind of version of, say, for example, asylum seekers. But what many people don't realise, and I'm speaking from maybe the Irish perspective, they're living in what's called direct provision accommodation. It's very, very stifling. They're really not allowed to work. There's some provisions have been made recently. There's been challenges to allow them to have a driver's licence. These people are basically... It's almost like imprisoned and institutionalised. Some of them have been there for up to 12 years. They have children who have been born here. They don't have a right to travel. They don't have travel documents. They're waiting for their cases to be heard. So they're in this system and they see no way out. And sadly, over the past few years, there's been a high suicide rate within direct provision centres, but nobody really hears about that. So they really do face many, many barriers. And we've been lucky to have the opportunity to meet with some people who were granted refugee status or leave to remain after having claimed asylum in Ireland. And they've just gone on to do fantastic mm -hmm. things. I mean, yeah. massive contributors to business, um, to the economy. And a lot of my clients that I met with, as soon as they got here, they wanted to work. They wanted to set up their own businesses, make money, pay back, you know, the kindness that Irish people had shown them. And I really have to say it's been very rare or really never where I met somebody who just basically came to seek help and support. And they really have been driven. And again, the migrant workers you mentioned, fundamental to our economy. Mm. I mean, we'd be lost, particularly in Northern Ireland, without them. Well, and that brings us really yeah. to Brexit as well. You um, positioned... 
your involvement in this business of Jonathan all around Brexit. Mm -hmm. You've been running Brexit workshops for all different uh, businesses regarding immigration. It was such a minefield uh, and probably still is. Mm -hmm. Just tell us about the the daily work. What what barriers have there been? We've seen people who've been living here for a long time and then suddenly need to get, you know, citizenship and maybe that's not coming through. What sort of stories? They're not stories. what What are people coming to you needing? Yeah, I think people have really been blindsided. And of course, in the lead up to Brexit, and I don't mean the referendum, I mean the kind of four years in between, when people were actually waiting for it to happen, um, lots of things still weren't finalised. Immigration to a certain degree was, but there were still so many issues for businesses that were left outstanding. For example, the future of recruitment, what's it going to look like? So we put together templates and webinars and also some workshops to help businesses to navigate. We normally take in a HR expert to help us as well in terms of knowing that so many businesses here rely, some of them 80 to 90% on EU migrant workers. Um, they were hit doubly. One, they felt that a lot of their employees were moving to Ireland where it was easier for them cross-border to make money mm-hmm. and they were free from any immigration restrictions. Whereas Brexit, no matter if you're EU um, coming here or you've been here, you still had to apply for status to remain and some people just weren't comfortable with that. So we could see businesses seeing that loss So we finally kind of put together our work, um, a template, and then COVID hit, which obviously put future recruitment of any workers on the back back seat. And people had to focus on survival, um, you know, the right equipment, regulations, all of that. But now that businesses are starting to open up again, we can still see that the problem is still there around recruitment, only it's too late in many cases um, in terms of the 30th of June is the deadline for people to apply for EU settlement and that's EU workers or their non-EU family members. So we're still seeing messages out there to try and get businesses to encourage their employees to make that application if they haven't done so yet. And then we're receiving calls from employers who are saying, look, we want to bring people over from different countries who'd worked with us before. And you're saying, well, is there a visa in place for them? Do you have a sponsor license now to hire workers from outside the EU? So it's really become a lot more complex. And in fact, there is no real route for people who the Home Office deem as kind of low skilled workers. But really, those workers are crucial to our economy. And it's really to force businesses to recruit locally. But many that we've heard from have really struggled to do that. And what advice would you give to them right now? Because obviously time is running out. It may be the time this is broadcast have run out. Yeah, well, I suppose we've been working closely with Newry Chamber, have been fantastic in trying to get conversations started with the Home Office. And we've been representing businesses from an immigration perspective there. Unfortunately, there doesn't seem to be much movement, but what we would do is get businesses to lobby um, through various organisations like Manufacturing NI, for example, their local chambers, to put in place a specific scheme for migrant workers where there are shortages in Northern Ireland, because that hasn't really been done yet in reality. Um, If you have EU workers, make sure they have applied for EU settled status before the 30th of June and for their family members if necessary. Some people still have not done that yet. Mm. So, and really, I suppose, um, I'm not a HR expert, but maybe they might have to recruit locally and come up with more kind of innovative or attractive ideas to encourage the workforce to come forward. 
it sounds like you're extremely busy and you know we know you're expecting your third baby anytime now <laughs> and when you're working in immigration I'm sure it's really really hard to to switch off it's mm-hmm. not a case of just switching off the computer at five o'clock you've an awful lot of clients mm-hmm. depending on you their livelihoods yeah. depend on you how do you balance that oh, pressure? <laughs> I struggle. I need help. Um, I suppose I've had times where if the workload wasn't too intense, you can take a step back. Um, you know, to switch off, I'd be pretty bad. It's always on my mind. I'm always tuned in or thinking of something else. And I do have lots of WhatsApp groups, which is a really good thing. But sometimes that's when you're not switching off and it's immigration practitioners and somebody has an idea and then you think about it and you research it. So at nine o'clock you're watching TV, but you're still on your phone. So I find it a little bit hard to switch off. And one of the things I do, my husband would actually be mortified at me saying this, is just to kind of watch a lot of trash TV (laughs) where he will say, I can't understand somebody with half a brain would watch the things that you do. But, you know, that's my little <laughs> the time. Oasis. And I watched the absolute worst of the worst. But that's Go when on, I feel what like... what do you watch, Sarah? Okay, 90 Day Fiance. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's kind of immigration related too, though, what it because is, it's, it's about it's visas. <laughs> okay. So it's not fully switched off, but no, if you watch it... But easy. you're using your brain so intensely yeah. every day. You need something that's just going to numb. Oh, you do. You switch off. But uh. it is hard. I struggle a little bit. But again, and I think... You just mentioned there are women who are about to go on maternity. I mean, you just push yourself to the max. Well, at least I do and everyone else. I know people kind of have this perception, oh, you can kind of, you know, sit back a little bit, relax. I don't think so. It's I think like it's, the world's going to end, isn't it? As it's like, I need to get this done. Yes, yeah, I'll never get it done again. I'll never get this done. And you're thinking of that due date. So I think, um, like many women at the moment, I'm just working to try and get things done and get it over the line. So no real balance at the minute. I'm moving house as well. Oh, of course, sure, why not? <laughs> throw it in. That's exactly the, the, the last weeks, isn't it, what you do, yeah. the, the furious nesting. Let's just move. Let's move. We Out of here. more space. Um, okay, so it sounds like you're extremely committed. It, it sounds like you care. You can't not do your job and care. <laughs> and I suppose that is, it's just knowing when you need to switch off and when you need to be Sarah at home mm-hmm. and not Sarah at work all the time. But I, I would imagine that that is difficult to leave somebody yeah. that you know is really, really stuck. Um, so you've got a good release too in your own podcast. You've got this brilliant project yeah. because that's what you need as well as more work um, exactly. called Activist Lawyer. And, you know, I've I've had the pleasure of listening to a couple of episodes and you really do cover everything Mm -hmm. on the human rights spectrum and more so you'll look across the water to what's happening in America you do abortion you did for International Women's Day you had um, you know maternal health Mm -hmm. perinatal health Um, do you enjoy it? I absolutely love it I have to say and it really takes you out of your, although we love the work we do here, um, and I have a great team. I'll just give them a wee shout out, Jack McClelland, who's our legal assistant. Oh. Very ambitious, very, very, a very good worker. And Jessica, who you know, Jessica know. Phillips is the ultimate multitasker and takes care of a lot of our marketing. They're both involved in the Activist Lawyer podcast as well. Jessica's so brilliant. We'll get her as a guest. So oh, we like. have to. Mm-hmm. But um, we kind of switch out of our work, normal daily routines into podcast mode. 
and it's just it's gone fantastic fantastic so far I have to so, say so I know you can't say who's your favorite guest because they're all wonderful <laughs> but was there anybody that you've had on there that you thought I was trying to get them for a long time and then yeah. you know th- because I get that and the mm. interviews stay with you they do I suppose yeah as you said they've all been absolutely fantastic um, I, I suppose I've had friends on as well so people I would work with daily like Sinead Marmion who does immigration down in Phoenix Law in Belfast but Dara Mackin was a fantastic guest as well and we had um, Colin Harvey who's a lecturer in Queen's University he's involved in a lot of talk around citizens rights and this shared vision for Ireland and I suppose he complimented Reverend Karen Sedurman who was on and she was just a breath of fresh air and so enlightening. So after her podcast, we were all walking out of here with big smiles on our faces because she was just so uplifting. I've seen Karen's TED talk. She's 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 fantastic. Mm -hmm. Lindsay Robinson again, talking about the maternal health, such a kind of very honest conversation. So there's quite a few, Emma D'Souza as well. And yesterday we released um, Stephen Kerwin, who is a solicitor in Dublin, and he was just great crack. I know. (laughs) Now, who are you? you most inspired by Sarah oh. whenever you think I mean you are an activist lawyer um and yeah I, I I love that I commend that and sometimes you know you say the things that need to be said and we society doesn't want to hear them government mm. certainly doesn't want to hear them and I know that activist lawyers the conservatives haven't been too kind uh, in mm. recent times you know these lefty do-gooders yeah. it's like <laughs> a bit scooby-doo going on there it would have all been okay if it wasn't for those pesky activist pesky lawyers. lawyers i know how do you cope with that I suppose that was, and I, I, referring back to Jonathan again, I remember him reading these comments coming out of the Home Office towards the end of last year, and he was absolutely incensed. Like all lawyers were, whether or not you work in immigration or human rights, it didn't matter. Um, it was very offensive, but I think what people did was they took the name, whether it's activist lawyer, or lefty lawyer, or do-gooder, and they ran with it. It's brilliant. And he was very quick off the mark. We'd been talking about a podcast anyway. So this was just ideal, perfect timing. We do immigration here. We have a good connection with other lawyers. Let's let's do this. And it was really instant. Um, so one minute I'm working at my computer and the next minute I'm in a podcast studio with the earphones on and interviewing a guest. But, but it's so timely as well mm. because there's so much going on in the world. Yeah. So we need to be talking. We need to have conversations absolutely we're never stuck for content in fact we're struggling to kind of um schedule people in because there is so much and then something will come in the news and we're like right we need to get them in as quickly as possible to comment on this so there's a lot of work goes on but i think we're doing well so far in terms of our guests and contributors and you've lots of listeners so far as well we have. I mean, it's really grown and I think social media has been very good to us in terms of being able to share the platform and the solicitors we've had have been very active about, or their guests, sorry, they're not all solicitors, mm. but the guests we've had on are very good in terms of sharing their podcast as well. So we're building um, from where we are. We're only quite new. I mean, we're only a few months um, into it. And I suppose it's different than doing a broadcast interview. The podcast in itself is a wonderful medium that's mm. kind of grown legs and arms, my goodness. I think so. Yeah. Over lockdown especially. I mean, mm-hmm. I've really taken to podcasts, whether it's mm-hmm. just out on my walk, out mm-hmm. on a run even, just learning. It's, it's that hunger and that knowledge that I don't have to, I can't sit and read books anymore. It's, no. I don't have uh, the energy mm-hmm. after you're looking at screens all day. So podcasts, I find, are just a great way to do that mm. deep learning that we need to do that we're not getting from yeah. just social media. 
I think you're right. And they're quite focused as well on particular topics. So a lot of our followers would be aspiring lawyers and students as well. And we've had really positive feedback where some of them would even ask us, look, would you mind if we contributed a written piece or something to your your website or your blog? But really, you can see people listening in, whether they're out running or walking and they're learning, you know, and even family members of mine. I mean, my mummy would listen. She said, no, I just you could said M about 50 times. Oh. <laughs> she, you know, the critic, the critic mum. But she will even say, I did not know that. That's, That's so it, interesting. It? So, it's the so when you hear about that, you're yes. thinking, oh, my goodness, you know, the, the message is getting out there or even sharing or, someone's work is fantastic. Or allowing us to step back from our sheltered view of the world. Absolutely. Or, you know, we think we know, but we don't know. And that's what I love yeah. about podcasts is that you, you're not there. You can't chip in. You have mm-hmm. to listen. Mm-hmm. You have to pin back the ears and you hear a different viewpoint and you hear different stories that connect and make you think about something in a different Absolutely. way. And you can't get much powerful more powerful than that I think. Yeah and hopefully we will we do plan we've a lot of guests lined up to show maybe alternative views to the ones we've had on before so we want to be quite neutral in that regard and I think um, we'll have a meeting in a couple of weeks but we do see bigger things for it and maybe developing the project as a whole um, and you know build up a network of like-minded lawyers across. Yeah well we need lots of different (laughs) viewpoints that's the only way we can understand. My previous question was very convoluted, which is not a great question, but I did ask you who you're most inspired oh. by. Is there an activist lawyer, even though it's quite a relatively new term? And, you know, we've got activist politicians now as well. That's about Being an activist yeah. and even Greta Thunberg, everything, it's about be the change you want to see in the world, exactly. you know, go out there and fight for it. Yeah, I suppose I can divide that into two kind of sections, which one would be Ruth Bader Ginsburg, mm. obviously from an international and historical perspective. I could read up on her all the time, watched films about her documentaries when she died. I think our very first podcast was about her, actually. Uh, we were uh-huh. speaking about the work that she does. She, she leaves a huge legacy, but it wasn't just that. It was the way she was an activist. It was quiet. It wasn't... I'm probably a bit of a loudmouth and a bit of a ranter and raver when things kind of annoy me. But she said, look, bring people with you. The best way to get people to support your cause or support change is to bring them with you. Mm -hmm. And she did that through her use of language, her tone, you know, rather than being aggressive. And I just find that really interesting. And then on and a, a real skill as well. Absolutely, mm. which I haven't <laughs> quite mastered. I'm Maybe. quite a ranter, I have to say. But um, and that's why I use my lovely immigration group that we have here called the Immigration Amazons in Northern Ireland. We rant a lot. But on a personal level, I guess it's the people who when I was a junior solicitor who were real activist lawyers in Dublin and even colleagues that I worked with, Karen Berkeley, who has her own firm now. There was Michael Lynn and Colm O'Dwyer, fantastic Irish barristers who were taking cases, novel cases, to the European Court of Justice. And I used to just sit back and watch them work and think, wow, the amount of effort and energy that goes into these cases to make change that impacts thousands of people is just outstanding. And the best thing about the job is? I think it's our clients, I have to say. Um, you'll often see me with big giant sheets of family trees because we have a lot of American and New Zealand and Australian clients who are trying to trace back their Irish ancestry so that they can access Irish citizenship. So we have lots of fun doing those. And then it's just so rewarding to see families who've been separated for a very long time and you've done their visa application or whatever it might be and they're now living together happily in Northern Ireland. It's just, I think for me, that's really, really rewarding. That sounds like the icing on the cake, indeed. You are a wonderful podcast guest. (laughs) And uh, uh, thank you so much for joining me today. And 
I wish you all the best for the Thank new you. baby Thank and you. Uh, continued success at the work that you do. Extremely important work and where would we be without you? Thank you so much there. This podcast was recorded in Granite Podcast Studio. Interested in starting up your own podcast but don't know how? Granite Podcast Studio can help. Record your podcast in our state-of-the-art studio, which is based in the heart of Newry City. Our studio has cutting-edge and user-friendly technology and can seat up to four people. We also provide an editing service for our team using your guidance and editing notes to provide you with a flawless finished product, leaving your listeners wanting more. For more information on how you can get started, visit www.granitepodcaststudio.com.